Welcome to the Jamoti Podcast. We are all surrounded by amazing coaches and leaders. So let's get an inside look at not just what they do, but how they do what they do. After all, becoming the best versions of ourselves is Jamoti, just a matter of doing it. The Jamoti Podcast is powered by Sideline Interactive. Sideline Interactive is the leading manufacturer for high-quality, innovative scoring tables and LED video display boards that help coaches and schools bring more excitement to fans, create huge fundraising opportunities, and make their jobs easier. Visit sidelineinteractive.com to check out their amazing products. I got to ask you, though, because you mentioned it early on about the injuries that you had. And this is, I mean, this is really, I, I need a little bit of help with this. As, as coaches, do we, we have a plan and we have a direction, maybe even like a, a height that we feel like this team can get to. But right. then when injuries happen and a major pieces. Yeah. I mean, it's tough. Like you want to hold them to the same standards and still expect the same, like if excellence is a word that we use a lot, still the same standard of excellence, but knowing deep down, like what Tom Inman told me years ago, which is he said, Matt, we're jockeys. The best horses win. There's some truth to that, but I mean, great coaches like yourself can take a bad horse and make it a little bit better. But I, I, what, what do we do? when there are some legit reasons why we're not performing at our level, how do we keep them moving forward without feeling like kind so, of what, you, what you've been talking about? I think that the, the thing that when you were talking, I was trying to listen and, and correct myself knowing that I needed to make a good, healthy statement rather than be negative. Okay. Uh, I'll tell you what it brought out of me. It brought a personal side that we're all open to failure. We're Mm -hmm. all open to not things going our way as planned. You know, we're all open to adjustment and figuring out ways to still do our job the best of our ability while honoring things and others around us. And so that was our thing all year long. Every time we showed up, every time the phone rang, Every time we had a practice, we it got to a point where we were looking over our shoulders like, what next? Yeah. What's going to happen to us? And, and the thing that I admired most about this, kid, this team is we never had anybody quit. We never had anybody say, you know what, hell with this. I can't do it anymore. It didn't mean that we got the result we wanted because this league is very hard to win in. But if you can go beat Whalen Baptist and then, and then do these things that you did, you had pieces to the puzzle. Um, we reinvented ourselves a million times this year, but I will tell you that again, going back to your four pillars or four things that you hold on to your program, it almost played true because at the end of the day, those things don't ever change in basketball. You can be six, five or seven foot. If you can't do those four things, then you're just six, five or seven foot. And so we, we really went back to who our true character was all year long, on and off the court. It, it, and that's really kind of what this whole scenario provided us when, when we had got dealt these issues that we had zero control over. It really, it was God's way of saying, man, I'm going to get the best out of you, whether you want it or not. You're, you're either going to show up and do your job this year or you're not. And, mm-hmm. and so we had to... 
we had to kind of help each other through that whole scenario. And you and what you and I both know as well as anybody, if you want to be married, you'll work hard at it. If you want to be employed and actually be valued as an employer and not somebody that collects a paycheck, then you're going to work hard at it. I, I, I use the term this year and there's nothing wrong with it. So I don't want to offend anybody, but at times we were all minimum wage employees. You know, there were times where we were just doing just enough to get by. I say we because obviously there were probably minutes and hours that I probably didn't do my job to itself. Um, but those type of things, I think this the injuries, life stuff, this is what really you get your stripes as a coach and as a player to move forward. So the big thing is for me is this is a timestamp. And, and I'm going to be able to look back on this in August and September and say, you talked about all this. Now are you going to do it? And and I think that really resonates with anybody that cares enough and that wants to be successful. And, I, you know, it's still hard for me to wrap my head around 21 years and 10 years or 11 years as a coach with the COVID year as a head coach. Uh, it's still hard to think that I'm still doing this with energy, you know, and with. You're not burned out yet. <laughs> yeah. Urgency, like My guys get on me all the time. Like, how come you don't wear any of your rings? And I'm like, dude, because I didn't win them with you. I mean, I, they'd be kind of like flashing around your ex-girlfriend with your wife. I mean, it's kind of like, that don't make any sense. I mean, I, I'm trying to win these things with you. I'm trying to show you that I don't need that pass to get me to where I need to go. I need that urgency to do it now, you know. And, and don't get me wrong. I mean, a bunch of coaches wear their rings with pride, and they should. I just choose not to, you know. I, 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 I love that. I love that yeah. uh, viewpoint of it. And I think I think you felt it this year, and, and, and so did I. Uh, there's There are times in sports where – or seasons where we get to define success differently. My right. senior year at Baylor, eight and twenty-one with six scholarship players. Coach Drew, first year, we were ultra successful at eight and twenty-one. This right. year, your team, my team, the fact that we didn't have kids that quit, they showed up right. and worked hard. They gave us our very, very best. It didn't go the way that we dreamt about it and wanted to go. But man, like you and I can still look back with fondness. I think that's a success because sure. a majority of coaches when are not regarded coaches, but when teams, when they face adversity like that, if the culture, if the standards and pillars aren't in place well enough, man, right. it can become a disaster. And, right. and you and I didn't experience that. Sure. It's good. I think I know the answer to this question based on your the, what you said with your four things. But yeah. there's you know there's a debate out there. It's uh, do you take players and fit them into a style that you love? And I've been on that side. Or do you take uh, the style? Is your style based on the players that you have? And where do you kind of fall in, in that debate? I have always tried to find kids that I want to coach and be around. And then if they possess great characteristics or qualities on the court, I'm always going to adjust to their strengths. So it's kind of, again, you know, we're a liberal arts school and we get away with some conversations probably that other schools are like, oh, don't say that. <laughs> I always joke around with my guys. We're, we're all dating. You can get out of this anytime you want. As can I. We're not married. We're not legally bound to anything. I'm going to honor your scholarship if you walk out of here right now. Because if you walk out of here now, it's better than, than sticking around and being miserable, right? And so I look at this like, 
I'm always trying to earn their trust. I'm always trying to do a little bit more to show them that I'm the mature one and that I'm the one that's been here and done that and can get you to where your goals are wanting to go, right? But on the flip side of that, you have to coach what you're comfortable coaching. You have to do with things that you're that you know that you'll get the best out of those players. Like for instance, I call Coach G every year and say, help me with this one three one. 20, 11 years as a head coach, I still don't know how to coach the one three one. But I, I, I'm okay with it. I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not doing 30 possessions of it. I'm not doing 30 minutes of it. I'm doing one or two a game. Give me a tweak. Tell me how to teach it. Let's go. But when it comes to running transition, when it comes to making the extra pass, when it comes to going headhunting the ball and being in great shape, I'll go with anybody. You know, uh, we're going to try to do that. So, again, the players know that coming in. I might have a kid that's really good at pressuring the ball and can keep people in front of him defending, and that's his natural instinct, and I like that about him, where it might make me a little uncomfortable. But I have to play to his strengths, and so I that's my humility. I have to stop and go, you know what? I'm going to do what's best for him and the team and us to get us those wins. And so I think there's a constant battling, uh, a balancing act in a lot of ways. I'm not a person that's ever going to sit there and say, it's my way or the highway. Now, we all have disciplines. We all have ways of doing things. Uh, you know, there's non-negotiables. But at the end of the day, the playing side of it, I think as coaches, we're getting in a lot of trouble if we sit there and say, we're going to get these 17 to 22-year-old guys to adjust to us in the period of time in which we have and still be successful. If the, if you can do that, brother, you I don't think you should be coaching college basketball. I think you should be running our government. All right? I think you should be doing things that <laughs> are way more important because right now, at the end of the day, as far as I can know, there's 15 players and two coaches. Who's going to win? Wow. You know, and so we always have to adjust. I mean, every day of the week we adjust. I had a kid on our national championship team named Nigel Young. He came in from UI Chicago, you know, University of Illinois, Chicago. He transferred in and he was convinced he could shoot threes, convinced he could shoot threes. His teammates were going to him, Nigel, stop shooting threes. I kept telling him, Nigel, I'm just telling you, brother, you, you're one of 12 in practice. I get it. And he would convince me and say, well, just give me more opportunity to rebound the ball. I'm like, but Nigel, if you don't rebound, it's a turnover. And at the end of the day, so I, I used to try, I let him spend five minutes a day in practice shooting threes. And that was all he needed. I never let him shoot threes in the game because he knew it was a turnover and it was going to limit an offensive rebound or something that effect for himself. So he never shot it. And that team ended up winning the national championship, not because of him, but because of my ability to sit there and go, okay, how do I give him a little? Wow. without giving a lot, you know? And so I had to learn that, man. It wasn't, I mean, it might've been God's way of saying, okay, keep this kid intact. Or it might've been my selfish way of saying, I've got to give him something because if I have to waste, or what I said, waste five minutes in practice, let him shoot threes, it wasn't a waste. We ended up winning because of it. So I think there, we all as coaches have to find a, a real balance there of system versus success or what's your core characteristics versus what you're willing to give up to get, you know, to get something. And, and maybe, maybe I'm an outlier here. I don't know. Uh, I just only know the way that I can operate. I know there's non-negotiables, but I do know that these players possess a whole lot of talent sometimes that we hold back if we don't give them a chance to show it, you know?
Whether it's leadership, whether it's basketball, whether it's defense, offense. You know, there's some guys that can handle three or four dribbles. There's other guys that don't need to dribble once. And so we have to kind of play into that. So, uh, again, that, that makes a lot of sense. And I think you're, uh, you, you kind of said, are you an outlier? I, I think a lot of the best coaches out there think like you take the players and help them to be successful on the floor. And, and then the willingness for you to adapt and do things a little bit differently if that's what they need. Um, I wonder, and I think I think it's because I've been on this part of it, the idea of having a system that you run that other people like or can emulate. I wonder how much of arrogance starts to play a part of that. Like I am I am known for this, so I have to continue to do this. Right. And I think I've fallen I, into I would that say trap. It plays a big part. I mean. Just because I tell you I don't run a certain offense doesn't mean that I don't have some arrogance about what we do. I mean, I think we all have arrogance about us because that's what separates us from being average Joes, I guess we should say. I mean, you know, we all have to be confident in what we do. I mean, it doesn't mean we sit there and pound our chest, but, I mean, we, we all have to sell our programs. We all have to sell our visions every day. But with sales has to come with some real hard data or some facts yeah. or some you know, and so I think we walked that fine line. You know, I, I wish I could have it was shoot 44 threes a game and shoot 40 percent out of them. But at the end of the day, that's not who we get to recruit, man. You know, <laughs> yeah, it, it, yeah. Day, we might have one, but we don't have seven. And, yeah. and that one has to be able to really put it in the hole. And so we look at it that way, you know, and, and also, too, man, there's nothing more humbling than. I know I coach at Texas Westland. I'm okay with that. Yeah. I, I've never met a kid that grew up with a Texas Westland pennant on his wall. I, there ain't one. Name one. If you win it, you win the prize. And 21 years of this, I've never met one kid that had a Texas Westland pennant on his wall. So my job as an egotistical coach, wink, wink, right, is that I want you to grow, to now leave this place knowing that this was the best experience of your life. This is the best choice I made. These are the things that I should have done my whole life, and I'm glad that I learned it here. That's where my ego gets involved. That's where I, I think that we can do it, and I pride myself in trying to do it relentlessly, is that I, I'm very aware that we're probably not anyone's first choice. And I think it's safe to say this is going to go out nationally, that I wasn't my wife's first choice. So it's okay, you know, but damn it. I'm a good husband. I'm a good father. I work hard at it. I'm loyal. You know, I'm going to go home tonight and cook dinner and rebound for my son and give my wife a hug as she stiffs arms me out of the kitchen. You know, it's all that stuff, but it's the same situation here. Like, I get it. You wanted to be at Texas. You wanted to be at TCU. But what are you going to do here? Like, what are you going to do? If you're worth your salt, then what are you going to do here, man? And that's that's where this thing kind of always adjusts, right? We always play the yeah. adjustment. And you nailed it, that arrogance and confidence. I think right. the arrogance stops you from making the adjustments that you need to for the for your players and for your team. The confidence right. part allows you to believe and sell it to your players, believe in what you're doing, yeah. but still have the ability, the humility to make the adjustments, to let that guy shoot for five minutes even though in your heart you're like, this doesn't help uh, us, but didn't the, have to worry the, about replacing the nets on that kid, you know. 
<laughs> you saved some money on the for yeah. from the program. Yeah. Uh, Working on rebound today, guys. We're all right. Go ahead. Thank you for checking out today's episode. Please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast, share it with your fellow coaches, and find us on social media for what's coming up next on the Jamoti Podcast. It's just a matter of doing it.